Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. Romans chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. Before we read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Romans 5, beginning with verse 18. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many were made righteous. But law came in with the result that the trespass multiplied. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that just as sin exercised dominion in death, so grace might also exercise dominion through justification leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was working at my last church, I got to meet a lot of wonderful people. But two of my favorites were Courtney and Glenda Bailey. They were older adults who had been married for over 60 years, and they really were the perfect example of faithfulness and love, a great example for me and a great example for Julianne as well. A few years before I got to the church, Glenda had been diagnosed with an inoperable tumor, and she was told that as that tumor grew, she would slowly lose many of her capabilities, both physical and mental capabilities. By the time I got to the church, in fact, she really wasn't able to talk that much. She could say hello, and she could say, say, I love you, and things like that, but she couldn't communicate verbally much more than that. But her loving dear husband, Courtney, knew a secret that provided a little miracle every single afternoon. He took an old CD of old hymns, old favorite hymns that she had learned from her childhood. He put it in a CD player and played it for her. And as she listened to those hymns, somehow, some way, she miraculously sang along. She remembered all of those old hymns like He Leadeth Me, He Leadeth Me, or And He Walks With Me, and He Talks With Me, and Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and of course, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. She could sing along every word because that music just somehow stirred something within her that she remembered. Music has that kind of power. We use music in all kinds of ways, not only to teach our children and to teach ourselves, but it also has this power to impart wisdom, to impart emotion, to impart meaning that maybe ordinary words just simply can't do. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be taking some of those old hymns, those old favorite hymns that we love to sing, and we're going to use them to inspire our worship together, to inspire our sermons, and to inspire us as we continue to think about how God is calling us to live in the world, even now. We'll think about the lessons that those old hymns taught us many years ago and think about what those lessons mean for us today. And today we're starting with maybe the most famous Christian hymn of all time, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. It's a hymn that tries to impart to us the meaning of grace. 
Grace is probably one of the most central, maybe the most important aspect of our Christian faith. We talk about grace all the time. We've tried to explain it many times. In fact, uh, Paul the Apostle tries to explain it several times throughout his writings, uh, in, even in the passage that I read to you today, where he talks about how Jesus Christ himself brought grace as one person to the entire world. It's a gift that God gives us. And even though we try to describe it, we talk about it all the time in church, I find more and more human beings have a hard time grasping and understanding grace. Maybe the reason why we struggle with grace so much is because at its very core, grace is a gift. In fact, that's what the Greek word really means. Grace is a gift. And we as human beings tend to believe that things that are given to us freely things that we don't have to earn, things that don't cost us anything, well, those things aren't very valuable. We tend to believe that the most valuable things in this world are the things that I have to work for, the things that I have to earn. And yet, we ter- the Bible tells us that grace is something that God freely gives us through the work and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me tell you what I mean. When I was growing up as a child, we would often ask our parents for things. And I can remember specifically my brother asking my parents for a very expensive bike when he was in middle school. He had seen it. In fact, he had kind of designed it himself with a local bike shop, the person who worked at the bike shop. And he had put all the pieces of the bike together in his head. He knew what he wanted, but it was going to be very expensive. And my parents told him, that's too expensive. But if you want it, you can go out and earn the money and pay it, pay for it yourself. Well, apparently he really wanted it. So he spent that summer mowing lawns and pinching his pennies. And he even would go into the bike shop every few days and drop a few of those pennies on the countertop, just slowly paying off that bicycle until finally he could take it home. And he rode that bicycle everywhere, learning how to do some tricks on it, riding it all throughout our neighborhood, riding it over to friends' houses. He loved it. I even think he washed the bike a time or two. Well, a few months went by and Christmas started to get closer and closer. And I decided that a bicycle might be a pretty good Christmas gift for me. So I asked my parents for a bike for Christmas and they thought that was a good gift as well. And so Christmas morning, I got a new bicycle. But as it turns out, that free gift of a bicycle that came to me on Christmas was not really as valuable to me as my brother's bike was to him. I didn't ride my bike everywhere. A lot of times I would leave it out in the backyard, even in the rain. Sometimes I would even walk where I was going because it was too hard to push that bike back up the hills in my neighborhood. I didn't care quite as much about that gift as my brother cared about his bike because he had put in the work. He knew how much it cost. He had earned it. And that's what we think of as human beings. We think that those things that we can earn are the most valuable things in this world. But the truth of the matter is, truly, the most valuable things in this world are those things that we can't earn at all. When you think about it, we might be able to earn someone else's respect, but we really can't earn their love. That's something they have to give to us. We can earn someone else's trust, maybe, but we can't really earn forgiveness when we break that trust. We have to just receive it as a gift. We might be able to earn money and earn resources to kind of help us feel secure, but really the the grace of God that gives us an inner peace, that's something that is a gift from God alone that we can't earn at all. And we have to learn throughout our lives that even though we want to earn those things and, and hold on to those things and possess those things that are most valuable, 
truthfully, the things that are really valuable are the things that are gifts from God that we can't earn at all. Time and time again, humans like me have a hard time with that concept. And I think that was certainly the case for the author of Amazing Grace, John Newton. John Newton was born in London in 1725, and from a very early age, he had a really tough life. At the age of seven years old, he lost his mother who died. And it was from that moment on that he started uh, to make some really tough decisions, really bad decisions in his life. His life went into a trajectory that he probably never would have thought possible. He started going with the wrong crowd. His father didn't know what to do with him. And so his father, who was a a shipmaster, decided to, to bring him with him, even as a child, so that he could work on the ships. And of course, there, working with all these different people, he learned a lot of bad habits, started to, to do a lot of things that you and I might think were not the right thing to do. Finally, when he was 18, he was forced into the Navy to try to maybe curb some of these bad habits. But even in the Navy, he tried to, to get away and he tried to run away several times. He was brought back and punished. And there was even a point when he was in the Navy where he thought about taking his own life. You would think in the midst of all of this that God might speak to him, that God might cry out to him and and share that grace with him, especially this author of Amazing Grace. But it was many, many years later, after many more hardships, after being in a shipwreck, after going and, and serving as a slave himself, and then going and making money off of the slave trade in England, that he finally received a call from God calling him to a new way of life. And he became an Anglican priest where he served a little community called Olney there in England. And it was there when he was preaching sermons week after week that he made his own decision that with every single scripture he preached, he wanted to write a new hymn, a new song to go along with that scripture. And one Sunday morning when he was preaching about King David and Chronicles, he wrote down those words that we know so well, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He was inspired by David to write those words, but it was many years later, close to his own death, when he finally spoke out against slavery, when he finally realized that those words were really about him. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. So many of us are blind to that gift of grace. We don't realize that that gift of grace is around us in every single moment. But every now and then you come across someone who has their eyes opened. They realize that that grace is with them, that God has given them the most valuable gift of all. And they are inspired to respond to that gift with their whole life and their whole heart. One of those people that I think lived like that, that I've come across in my studies, was Harriet Beecher Stowe. She's the person who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin back before the Civil War. She wrote the book to try to teach people all throughout our nation the evils of slavery. And she did it because she believed that the grace of God was calling us and calling our nation to a new way of life. The main character, Tom, was a a slave who was split apart from his family at the beginning of the book. And he was sold to slavery down in the, the southern part of the United States, deeper and deeper where there was very few avenues to escape. And throughout the book, he faced slave owner after slave owner and finally faced the worst slave master of all, Simon Legree. Simon tortured Tom. He tried to to beat Tom and, and 
take Tom's spirit away from him because all throughout his life, the one thing that Tom held on to was his Christian faith, his belief that God was still with him. Finally, towards the end of the book, he cried out to Tom and told him, your God has long since forsaken you. Why don't you just forsake God? Trying with his last breath to to beat down Tom's spirit and make him give up. Tom was sitting there in front of a fire, cold, hungry, wounded, looking for answers. And there in the fire, in the flames, he saw a vision. It was the risen Christ the Christ who had suffered on the cross, the Christ who had had died for him, and the Christ who is now risen, who told him that just as I have suffered, I'm suffering with you now. And just as I have conquered death, you will conquer death too. And in those moments, that pain, that hunger, all those feelings that that Tom was having went away, and he felt joy. And it was in that joy that he sang those words. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. It was Tom's faithfulness. It was Tom's response to that grace that not only held him fast and gave him strength during the most difficult times, but it was that response to that grace that changed the lives of the people around him. Even Simon Legree, who realized that God's grace was there for him too. I don't know what you're going through in your life right now. I know we're all facing this one big difficulty together, but I hope you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that God has given you the most valuable gift of all, the gift of grace. And what's so amazing about that grace is it not only gives us assurance for the life to come, but it should inspire us to change this world and change this life that we live right now. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. Now I see. To the glory of God. Amen.